Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Hello, good morning. Good morning, oh, thank you. Good morning at the, at the back there. Um, I think everybody knows who I am, but uh, just in case we get some like, well, sometimes who I... I have to ask that question, but just in case some people do join on the podcast that we've never met before, my name's Rob, I'm part of the leadership team here at Livingstones, and uh, this morning I'll be leading us through our time together, we'll have uh, Mandy taking us through some sung worship, along with Jess, where is she, there's Jess, I thought it meant that Jess actually, I was confused, she wasn't, she wasn't really, she wasn't practicing this morning, uh, and then Martin, will, uh, we'll have a double header from Martin of family time and um, the next in our series on 1 Peter. And we've also got a couple of very interesting and important notices coming up as well. Uh, great to see so many people here today. Thomas, immaculately dressed, well done. Taking a bit of a risk in your household. Won't be talking to your dad until four o'clock and, and, ho- and hopefully teasing him as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to a much more serious matter. So anybody who has uh, watched any of the news over the weekend will have seen the... Uh, escalating situation in Israel um, following an extremely violent incursion on uh, Saturday morning. Um, certainly don't want to spend time this morning going through the, the long and deep history, but what we do know 100% certain is that many, many peace-loving people will be caught up in that situation as they have been for decades, possibly you could even say centuries. Um, I, My honest and firm belief is that most people just want to live a peaceful life. They want to be left alone to do their thing, live their life in the best way that they can. And at the moment, that's going to be extremely difficult for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who have been caught up in immediate danger and will face probably years, maybe even decades more hardship now. Um, So as we start, in a moment, I'll pray for that situation. I just wanted to bring... Um, part of a psalm as well, if I can find it. Uh, Where are we? Psalm 34. Oops. Uh, 34. So Psalm 34... um, Verses 11 to 14. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. And most importantly, seek peace and pursue it. Heavenly Father, uh, the situation facing so many people um, in that part of the world at the moment is so alien to many of us, and yet we see it through our TV screens, through our electronic devices, hear it on our radios, Lord. It's very hard to to comprehend, and Lord, it feels like a checkmate situation. Um, nobody can move forward, and in fact, many people are moving back. Heavenly Father, I pray for your intervention. I pray, Lord, that this situation in that part of the world, as it stands today, will actually although we don't know it yet, will be a step towards peace, a step towards reconciliation, a step towards uh, a more peaceful planet. Lord, you didn't put us here to fight. You didn't put us here to 
cause bloodshed. You put us here to be in relationship with you and to be with one another. And Lord, would you, would you keep that spirit of peace uh, amongst us today? Um, we were praying at the start that Mandy prayed for um, uh, for a, a, a more near encounter. Lord, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome among us. Holy Spirit, come fill us up. Be with us as we talk. Be with us as we discuss. Be with us as we listen. Be with us as we pray. And let us come with expectant hearts. We know the creator of the universe and he knows us by name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mandy, over to you. Um, before we start, I, I want you to be thinking during the first song of any testimonies. So I think when I was planning this, I could imagine some of us giving testimonies. They can be tiny or longer. Something that's happened to you this week, maybe, or something that's happened to someone else that the Lord has done. But um, the reason is because I heard a lovely testimony from Northampton. I'm going to share it just a little bit with you. Northampton is where I lived two years ago, um, and Tony and I moved here. There was a man called Michael in our small Baptist church, and Michael never came to church, so his wife came to church. Her name was Mandy, and their, their relationship was, was broken completely, really, and she was in tears. She couldn't eat. She was, it was all a mess, so we didn't know what to do, so she and I prayed every week. I said, come anyway. However you're feeling, we'll pray. We prayed. I didn't really think they were powerful prayers on my part particularly, and she was too broken to make them. But, And I don't know what happened, but the most strange thing God did beyond what you could ask, believe, or imagine is that Michael is a, a motorcyclist, and he started to come to church just to the outside car park to show off his bike, really, as passing. And he also had a near-death encounter on one of the journeys round a corner when he was nearly nearly killed, which had quite an effect on him, I think. And the offshot was he started to come to church and Michael had quite severe autism as an adult and couldn't relate to people very well. Um, and so he found a little place, mostly behind the sound desk or just an observer, a spectator. And I used to say to Mandy during these years, how are things at home? And she'd give me a score out of 10. It was usually two or three. So we kept praying and she kept with it. This is what I heard from Northampton this week that Michael said to one of the leaders recently, I can't hear from God. Can you help me? She went home and prayed and she felt God say to her, give him 15 verses of Colossians every day to read, you read it too, and then feed back together on, on, um, on a text. So he did it. He did it day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, nothing. And on day eight, he texted her and said, I think I know what the matter is. And she said, what? And he said, I think I don't know how to be still. So he started to teach himself how to be still, and God led him, obviously. And the next day, she had the longest text ever, saying, wow, do you know what God said about this reading today? It wasn't the same reading every day. It was 15 verses. But he, he suddenly started hearing from God. And it was just amazing that this man who was far off, God has brought near it, made my heart rejoice, really, to, to think of the transformation in him. So while we, do our, while we sing our first song of worship... 
love you to, to think if you've got anything to just encourage everybody else with. But if you stand, we're going to do 626 in the Bible. If you've got it, you can open it if you wish, but you don't have to. It's page 626 and it's Psalm 136. And the main theme for you is four words. His love endures forever. Let's try that. His love endures forever. So you don't have to read it, the rest of it. You can just say those bits or you can re read it with me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who, by his understanding, made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights. His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. And then I'm going nearly to the end. To the one who remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever and freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. That is such a beautiful truth. So let's stand. We're going to sing praise him, you heavens and all that's above. I've got one that's really similar to that. Um, just over in the last few weeks, I've lost various things, important things that I've needed at work. And work's been very busy and I just haven't had time and I've had to spend time looking for those things because I haven't been able to find them and I needed them. And in those moments, God has just been amazing because I've put them in really random places that I probably shouldn't even be looking in and God has taken me to those places and gone, it's here. Um, and it was just such little blessings, but it's made such a difference mm. in my work life. <laughs> mm. So I'm really thankful to God for those little blessings that actually are like them. My testimony comes um, closer to home, but um, Martin just talked about something of the kingdom of God growing um, over there. And I wanted to share that in 321, something of the kingdom of God is growing um, in our midst. And um, we have three ladies uh, coming on the course with us. And one of them said, let me check Justin's in the room, yes. She said this week, um, my children have faith and that has only come from Live Wires and Holiday Club. Um, so praise God for that. Um, the same woman is struggling, battling, as some of us do, with faith and science and the kind of clash between those. Um, this morning, I don't know if anyone heard it, but on Radio 4, the Sunday service was from the Royal Observatory at Greenwich. There was an astrophysicist giving the preach, um, and there was a a uh, kind of quote that someone gave from a German mathematician, I don't know what his name is, but he said about science being... Um, us thinking God's thoughts after he's thought them. Mm -hmm. So I've had the opportunity to share all that with that mum this morning, as simple as a click on my phone that says, 
listen to this. It's an astrophysicist who believes in God. Um, so praise God for that. Be still and trust. Sean, could you put the words up? Be still and trust. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jess, everybody who uh, who shared during our time of sung worship. The reason I'm looking down is there's an incredible amount of stuff here. Um, and I can see Martin's gone out and brought some more stuff in as well. So um, I'm very curious to find it. You should never see what goes on behind the curtain, but it's absolutely crazy behind here. So I'll pass over to Martin for family time. Nice to see Bella and Cece here today. Lovely to welcome you. <laughs> um about 23 years ago, um, my son was married, and um, I was sitting, so I was at the top table, obviously. You know the arrangement at the top table is that uh, the, uh, the father of the bridegroom sits next to the mother of the bride. Yes, and, and that's kind of like reversed. So I was sitting next to Simon's new wife, Sarah's mum. And I could sense halfway through the meal that was being served, a lovely cold meat salad, that things were not quite right. She was getting edgy and she was glancing down the table to her husband and what became apparent was they had run out of meat. <laughs> and not everyone had been served. And as I began to be aware of this, I, I tried to speak comforting words, <laughs> but to no avail. <laughs> Angela really wanted to go and be able to talk with Richard about this. And, <laughs> and it was, I could see how agitated she she was and and poor thing i mean it, it was fine they it was all resolved they dashed out and i think they went to a local supermarket and got something quickly and everyone got fed and da, 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 da. but jesus was involved in a similar situation it was must have been a must have been a family wedding I can't believe that it was, but it was a big family wedding. Someone in Jesus's wider family was getting married and they had thrown such a big do. His mother was there as well. And it was so big that even Jesus's disciples had been invited. So there, I don't know, there must have been hundreds of people. Now, uh, <clears throat> a Middle East wedding is not like ours. It goes on for days. And everyone expects, you know, the, 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 the father of the family is expected to put on the most wonderful spread and everyone can come and enjoy themselves. And yet halfway through this wedding, the worst possible thing happened. Do we know what it was? What happened halfway through this wedding? They ran out of wine. The wine ran out. <sighs> it was disaster. Today's theme is water and wine. Now, 
Water. Natural, still, mineral water. Essential weight rose. Water. <laughs> water is wonderful, isn't it? Has anyone got a story of when they were really, really, really thirsty and someone gave them some water or they had some water? Anyone? Yeah, Barry. And I, but I bet that water tasted as good as any water you'd ever tasted. <laughs> yeah, water is wonderful. And, um, but I, if I gave you a choice now, Barry, and I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> if I offered you a glass of water or a glass of wine, which would you prefer? You're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> okay. Water is wonderful, but wine is even better. Yes? At a wedding. Not normally. Not normally. No, I didn't wake up this morning and have a glass of wine. I woke up and had a glass of water. <laughs> I know I need water when I wake up in the morning. But water is wonderful. But if the master of the feast had gone out and said, sorry, the wine's run out, I've got water, that'll do, won't it? That would have been a disaster for the host. So, Jesus' mother who knew about what was going on. Excuse me while I'm hiding down here. <laughs> <laughs> Said to Jesus, they've run out of wine. And um, he said, right, okay, get some servants to come along. And I want them to fill up these stone jars. There were some stone jars there with water. Now, each stone jar it says contained or could contain from 20 to 30 gallons all right now let's just for those of us that deal always in liters these days this fermentation bin <laughs> contains five and a half gallons Okay, so quick maths from someone with a calculator. If you say each stone jar was on average 25, how many, um, how many gallons were in those six stone jars? Come on, arithmetic. About around 150, aren't we? You know, if it was five gallons, it would be... Okay, 
That's, can, can you think, that would be about 25 of these bins. Can you imagine? 25 of these bins. Filled up with water. And then Jesus said to the servants, now go and take a cup of water and take it to the master of the feast. The sort of the, uh, the, the chef de, what's it? Maître. That's right. And, um, and when, by the time it had got to the master of the feast, it was wine. Not only ordinary wine, but the most amazing, beautiful wine. Now, does anyone know where we get wine from? <laughs> where does wine come from? Come on. Comes from one of these. It comes from a vine, doesn't it? And here we have Chateau de Hamden Park. Okay, these are grapes from Sean's very own vine, which he has brought along this morning. And he brought along some to Sue just uh, recently. I'm sure you could write some of those. They are absolutely lovely. They're re it's been a good year this year. Anyway, Sue took some of those and then uh, boiled them and, uh, and then squeezed them. Squeeze the juice out, and there is some, that's not wine, it's lovely grape juice from those grapes. So if anyone wants a sip afterwards, I'm sure we can arrange for that. But if you're really clever and you know how to do it, you can turn grape juice into wine, okay? Which was, um, so that was... Uh, from the duty-free at Dunkirk as we came the, the other day. <laughs> um, and you can see <laughs> there's already a little bit gone. So, <clears throat> so Jesus turned about uh, 150 gallons, that's about 100, sorry, 1,000 bottles of water into wine. I wonder why he did that. Why? why so much? And why was it the best wine? I mean, by that stage of the proceedings, he could have got away with any old plonk. But he didn't. He produced the best wine. I think that what John was wanting to us to feel, know uh, by telling the story of this miracle, the first miracle that Jesus did, that he was saying something like this. Water is really good. And in this world that we live in now, we can get the refreshment of wonderful water. God's first creation is amazing. Really good. Water is good. But in the kingdom that Jesus is bringing, it's like the best possible wine. 
and not stingy, but in abundance. Now, I don't think those thousand bottles of wine or the equivalent were probably drunk on that occasion. I think the, uh, the host who was putting the wedding on was telling this story for months afterwards when people came. And he said, would you like a glass of wine? And they said, oh, this is lovely. Oh, yes, he says. Let me tell you about where I got this wine from. You see, God's provision is, well, it wasn't forever. That wine would have run out, but the wine of the kingdom never runs out. Okay, so this is the joy of our faith. And yes, let's enjoy this world. The water of this world is wonderful. But there's better and there's more and there's more to come. So afterwards, if you want to come and try some grapes, try some grape juice, or <laughs> a sip of wine, you're welcome. Great, thank you, Martin. I never really thought about that, the context of being invited to a wedding that Jesus was going to. Not at that time, anyway. Like... Oh, we got an invite. Oh, right. Who's going? Oh, Jesus is going. <laughs> Better dress up. Um, right. So uh, I have been told by multiple people this morning. When I say multiple, I mean probably at least ten. That we've got two birthdays coming up this week. We've got Natalie. Happy birthday coming up, Natalie. And we've got Louise. Happy birthday coming up, Louise. Uh, what I think we'd like to do, or what I'd like to do, and I hope everyone else would like to do, is to sing happy birthday to them first of all. Mandy, have you got a note? Heavenly Father, thank you for Natalie and thank you for Louise. Thank you, Lord, that we see um, that we see you through them, Lord. Thank you for the in the the way that they are with us, the way that we are with them. Thank you, Lord, that your love stretches so far that you love Natalie exactly how she is, exactly for who she is. Louise, exactly how she is, exactly who she is. Lord, we pray your blessing on them in the year ahead. And Lord, that we'll continue to, to get to know them and that our, the love will grow. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right, Thomas Burrow, would you like to hold the giraffe or would you like to hold the tin? Well, 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 Amelia, I can see you coming up as well. <laughs> come on, you can come up as well. <laughs> I heard what she said before. Right, you'd like the giraffe? Amelia, let me give you that. Thank you very much. And this is for um, the young people that we support in Uganda. And Claire, can I start the collection with you? And Jessica Kelly, could you come up? Thank you very much. So Francis, Morris and Angela, who um, are all supported through the Quicken Trust. Could we be, oh, you brought your own money, well done. There we go. Yeah, okay, there we go. 
Right, in a sec, I'll pray for the kids who are going to go out with Mary today. Oh, there's Mary. Um, and then we'll have a short break after that. Ah, thank you very much. Okay, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our children. Thank you, Lord, for the light and the life and the um, and sometimes the challenges as well, Lord, and what that teaches us. But Father, we pray for um, a great time for them today with Mary. Uh, it would be a time of, of friendship, of deepening relationship. And Lord, would they see more of you in that time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right, Thomas and Amelia, thank you very much. And uh, if we just have a very brief five-minute break to recharge glasses. Thank you, Amelia. And uh, we'll be back at half past. Calling everyone back. I think we're there. Very good. Um, before we, oh, as we come to our, our second half of our time together this morning, just a few uh, a few notices. Uh, so please do check the the notice sheet that comes around from uh, from Kaz. Came out on Friday this week. Uh, we have the Monday testimony, which is a chap called Daniel Habti, who is a singer and songwriter. Grew up in Eritrea, lost his family um, very young, but has since um, been able to use his testimony and the power of his testimony uh, to speak of the to speak of the Lord to others. Um, the Eastbourne Community Land Trust AGM takes place on the 11th of October at 6.30. Um, among the speakers will be RMP, Caroline Ansell. Um, so Community Land Trust, and Sandy, tell me if I get this wrong, but my understanding of the, 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 the objective or the mission is to buy land, build properties, and then have those properties available for people who are on lower wages or lower incomes to be able to have a, a safe and stable place to live. Is that right? Excellent. Oh, thanks. I'm really yes. Yes. All right. So come to the AGM to find out more. 6.30 on the 11th. And there are um, leaflets at the back to um, to take away uh, if you're thinking of attending that. Um, good news on the lunch front, Sue. Is lunch back on today? Ray. <laughs> there we go. Good news. Please do, please do stay and enjoy uh, whichever soup Sue's created this week. Um, is Justin here? Ah, excellent. Can I have my first slide? That one? Okay, so you would have seen an email came out from me this week. I'm going to do the plugs. We need some volunteers, please, in the youth work. Uh, there's one graphic not up here because it came up on Friday night. We had 52 at LiveWars on Friday night, uh, which is a rapid increase. What it means is that we were actually over our ratio of children to leaders. Um, so I need to up our team so that we have six people each week, not five. Now, the idea of giving up your Friday night may be uh, horrific to you, <laughs> and giving it up with children may be even more horrific. Um, but specifically, what would help is couple of people who can say we can either give two weeks a month or even one week a month to fill the roles that were left when Rita and Margaret moved on from Livingstones. And that is running our tuck shop. Uh, Steph Osborne is back on and loves doing tuck and it's a great way of building a relationship with them. 
and when she's not there, I do tuck. But actually, as youth workers, we're probably more needed out um, with the kids. So running our tuck shop is something that anyone who can sell sweets and add up and give change can really do. So please prayerfully consider, because we are experiencing growth, which is why we've had issues, but really big growth. Um, so we need help there. Can I have the other one, next one, Shawnee, please? Right, school's out. There was a school's out in October half term. It is the 24th of October. Uh, very cleverly, we as a family have moved our holidays around and we're not here. Um, but it's been advertised since February. So I need people who will be able to be here on that Tuesday to set up and run schools out. I will ensure that there are boxes clearly labelled with all the ingredients and all the craft sheets ready, rating to be laid out in the tables out here. Um, all it needs to be is put out, run, tea coffee served, packed up, put back in the office and I will deal with everything else from there. I'm pretty sure Kaz said that she's going to be there. So if you can let Kaz know, it needs about five, six people maximum to run it. I normally get in on Monday night and do all the setup. So it's up to you how you do that. That, that, need, that needs covering um, to cover my, um, what can we say, uh, dim moment of booking a holiday when we've got something on. Uh, next one. Next one, please, Sean. Yeah, is it coming? Here we go. October the 31st is marked by a number of things in this church. Uh, a birthday in the White household and a birthday in the Ralph household and us serving uh, 250 bags of hope, numerous sausages and everything else to the community. This happens with you coming and helping. Um, I have got all the stuff coming in. I'll have bags of hope done, and we are aiming for 250 again. Uh, we served so many people last year. It was utterly amazing, um, and it was wet, I think, last year. I think we were inside last year, so uh, hopefully it won't be, and we'll be outside. So please, church, we need A, prayers on that night, um, and B, Active. This is something where Living Stones really is, as Living Stones, visible to the whole of Old Town. Because we are a stop on everybody's route. Um, and apart from Holiday Club, really, it's the biggest outreach that Youth Work uh, organises and covers, if you like, from what, what we do. So... Uh, I will be here from about four o'clock in the afternoon setting up, so getting the gazebo up. We will tend to start serving at six, so then somebody to help get sausages on and hot chocolate made from five, and we will serve normally from six to eight, uh, so it's not that late at night. As soon as we are out of everything, then we are down packing and done. Normally we're all home by half past eight. So it's not a really late night commitment. Um, and if I get it organised, there will be pumpkins for Sunday the 29th for people to carve and bring back along. Uh, I just need to find them at a price that is not three, four pound each. 
because they have hugely gone up this year. That's me done. Thank you very much, Justin. Um, Alex, would you like to come and talk to us about Prisons Week? Hello, everyone. I'm going to try and be brief, but I'm so passionate about this, and I know that um, Martin still needs to do a preach, so I'll try and be keep it brief. Um, it's Prisons Week starting today. It's an annual event when Christians around the country are called to pray for those who are caught up in the criminal justice system and nutters like me who want to be part of working in the criminal justice system. Um, so we have a really short video. It's just over a minute that we're going to watch uh, just to tell you a bit about it. Thank you. It does go on for a bit longer. If you'd like to see the full video, it's on the Prisons Week website. Um, I just wanted to share one story with you. You may have seen there it said it's about turning the world upside down. One of the examples was victims praying for offenders. And you think, does that ever happen? Um, in the job that I, I do in restorative justice, um, when an offender meets a victim and we host that meeting, there's a real reverence about it. There's a real reverence about the encounter and it's, it's a transformational moment. And at the end of that encounter, I often feel really led. I just want to say, shall we end in prayer? You know, it just feels like the thing to do. I'm not allowed to do that. However, in a case that two of my colleagues worked on, um, they worked with a priest and his church was damaged by a young person and he wanted to meet that young person to explain um, how it had affected them as a church, but also to find out if he was okay. And that priest, at the end of their encounter, said, can we end in prayer? And because he's the victim, the answer is yes. So, and my colleagues, you know, came into the meeting the next day, and they said, do you never believe what happened? He prayed. Um, and they were excited about it. And also, at the end of that meeting, that priest started making plans with a young man to christen his baby once it was born. So it's a real kind of relationship build. So it's a really good story of it is happening. Um, this is an invitation to pray this week um, if it's something that stirs you. On your tables there is a printout. Apologies, it's quite small. But there is a accessible one prayer per day for the week coming up um, and there is also some digital uh, resources on the website Prisons Week. Um, I'll just mention a personal thing for me, I do. I work in criminal justice, have been working in restorative justice for a few years. Um, I'm about to start a new job this week. Um, who knew it was going to be in Prisons Week? Um, when, so 15 years ago, I, I volunteered in a women's prison in London, and I loved it. And then I moved here and married Rich, and we looked at Lewis Prison, and we both went, do you really want to work in there? Not really. So I haven't, and I haven't worked with, it's always been women in criminal justice that I've wanted to work with. Um, and 15 years later, the opportunity has come my way. Um, I'm going to be working on a project funded by the Ministry of Justice, which is called Care Not Custody. And it's all about keeping women away from prison, diverting them away from that, um, getting to the root cause of what it is that causes them to offend. It's about support, it's taking a trauma-informed approach, and I'm really excited. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. Um, this is an emotive subject, so if anything, anyone has a personal association, someone they know who's in prison, you've been a victim um, of crime, and this stirs something up in you, please come and find me after the service. I'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, you have the resources. Um, and please be praying this week. Thank you. I'm going to end with, I'm just going to read out the Prisons Week prayer, which is at the beginning of uh, this printout. Lord, you offer freedom to all people. 
We pray for those in prison. Break the bonds of fear and isolation that exist. Support with your love prisoners and their families and friends, prison staff and all who care. Heal those who've been wounded by the actions of others, especially the victims of crime. Help us to forgive one another, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly together with Christ in his strength and in his spirit, now and every day. Amen. Thank you, Alex, and thank you for how you deal with such a conflicting and complicated situation with such kind-heartedness and compassion, but also with clear eyes as well. Um, one more thing to raise before we uh, hear from Martin. So as some, uh, some folks may know, uh, our sister Corinne, uh, Justin's wife, Chloe's mum, and Charlie's mum as well, um, was taken to hospital in the early hours of Saturday morning. Um, situation is she has a blockage uh, between her stomach and her lower intestine. Um, she's been in hospital now for what, over 24 hours. Uh, she's currently in a situation where she's having an assessment. Her, she's been on a stomach pump for the last 24 hours, as you can imagine. That blockage won't be... Um, well, that blockage is very serious, and, and whatever's being blocked needs to needs to come out. Um, they're expecting tomorrow that a camera will be used to assess the options for surgery, and then surgery is quite likely to follow soon after that. In addition, and I think is quite quite common in this situation, there is also um, an infection uh, within Corinne's body, which she's been provided with um, with drugs and treatment to tackle that as well. So clearly, a very um, a very serious situation, a very uh, unnerving situation. Uh, Justin and the family will be going to the conquest this afternoon to see Corinne and to see how, how things are going on. Um, in line with what's actually been happening over the last few weeks, I think it would be good if, if maybe two or three people could pray into that situation, pray for Corinne, pray for her health, pray for the people that will be helping her, uh, and also, of course, for, for, for Justin and uh, Charlie and Chloe as well. Um, to hold them up in prayer as well. Thank you, Livingstones. Martin, could I ask you to come and share with us? So the second in our series, or third in our series, second in our series on 1 Peter. you. Father, thank you for Martin. Thank you Lord, for the diligent into this uh, Lord. And I pray that as the words come from today, there'll be spirit-filled words that they'll encourage, that they will challenge where they need to. Lord, the messages that you've got for each and every one of us will come through clearly through Martin's words. In your holy name. Amen. You will need a Bible, so you want your hand uh, later. But we won't be looking at the Scripture just straight away. Do you sometimes wish you were not a Christian? That's good. That's the right answer. <laughs> However, you sometimes think, do you know, it would be a so lot easier not to be a Christian. Wouldn't it be nice just to... Blend in and go with the flow with everybody else. I mean, you'd get your Sunday mornings back. 
not not after this morning. No, you, you that's this good. Um, you think, well, do you know, I could spend my money just how I wanted. I wouldn't have to ask the Lord about how I spend my money. You know, and he might tell me to spend it on someone else. I can spend it on myself. And you wouldn't have to wake up every day thinking, okay, Lord, how am I going to live for you today? How can I be a good witness to you today? How am I going to serve you? I'll be free of all of that. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, just live for myself. Like everybody else, just go fit in with everybody. I don't know if you've ever thought that. <laughs> Why do we have to be different? Why, does, why do we have to stick out sometimes a bit like a sore thumb being a Christian? I mean, why can't we just keep our Christianity just a sort of a, a private thing? You know, it, some people do say this, don't they? Oh, my faith is very private. I keep it to myself. I mean, why can't I just take a few days off from being a Christian, for goodness sake? Why do I have to be the old one out at work or at school or college or in my family? Now, the people that Peter was writing to, perhaps, I don't know, were being tempted to think like this because it was not easy. I think He's writing at a time when the honeymoon days of becoming a Christian and finding others and this new vibrant community of people that love one another and have a great sort of sins forgiven and, and all the equality that was found in the Christian community, uh, which is not found in Roman society, they must have enjoyed. Something of the gloss of that was wearing off. And they were feeling a beleaguered, scattered people. And Paul, this is how Peter addresses them to God's elect strangers in the world. Okay? The odd ones out in society. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So they were little groups all over this quite large area of what we would call northern Turkey today. Peter is writing to these people and he wants to encourage them. And 2,000 years later, his words will encourage us too. As we go through 1 Peter, we will find encouragement to live as Christians in an alien world. And my privilege today to just draw our attention to really where, where he gets into it. Um, we're looking, and this is where you can open your Bibles perhaps if you haven't done so already, 1 Peter, chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 3 to 5. And hopefully I'll touch on, is it's a very dense few verses, such a lot in it. Um, I hope to just touch on 
some of the main points in this passage. Um, and basically, what Peter is doing, I mean, throughout the letter, and particularly here, is he, a good apostle, Peter. He takes them back to basics. He's saying, all this is going on in your life. You're feeling out of sort, you're feeling uh, it's difficult. Where do I turn next? Have I, have I made the right choice in becoming a Christian? Should I have ever done this? He says, hold on, hold on, stop, calm down. Let me take you back to the basics that you started your Christian life in. And let me take you back to the basics of what lies ahead for you. And so that's where we are in this little section. And it's, it's what is sometimes called a doxology. A doxology is like a little mini hymn of praise to God. So we start off, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, thank you, Lord. And it's interesting, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hang on to that Father word just for the moment. In his great mercy. Pause. He's going to tell us what God has done. And why has he done it? He's done it in his great mercy. Mercy. Now, in my preparation, I, I normally think as my definition of mercy is not getting what we deserved. And, and that's true. That is what mercy is. But as I was just digging around, I found someone else who said, do you know what mercy is? Mercy is God's response to our misery. When the Israelites were in Egypt as slaves... God had mercy on them. He had compassion on them to rescue them. Uh, do you remember Bartimaeus, the blind uh, beggar in Jericho? And he cried out. He got Jesus' attention. How did he get Jesus' attention? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he was just a poor, ragged beggar. And Jesus stopped and had mercy on him. And we need to know this for ourselves. You may think, oh, I messed up, or uh, it's all my own fault, or I've done so much bad stuff. Uh, particularly our sin, you know, sin is initially attractive. We know that, don't we? Sin initially attracts. But it always leads to misery of some sort or another. Personal misery or misery that we cause others. Sin leads to misery. What does God do? Does he say, well, serves you right. You, made, you know, you made your bed, you lie in it. No. He has Mercy on the sinner. That's amazing. There's mercy on you and me. 
whatever we've done, wherever, wherever we are at, whatever mess we might have made of our lives, even though it's our own stupid fault, in his great mercy, God responds to us. And what has he done? Well, the first thing it says he has done, he has given us new birth. I mean, there's many, so many things I could say about the new birth. I'll say just this one thing. When God has mercy on us in the misery of our lives, the first thing he does, or, or let's say it this way, the first thing he does not do is change our circumstances. He changes us. God's purpose is that we are changed. We may have any number of adverse circumstances as strangers and aliens in this world of things that we wish were different. But God's main purpose is to change us. And the new birth, I mean, we could, as I say, we could say so much about the new birth, but what does God do when he, gives the, when he brings us into new, the new heart, a new spirit? Say nothing of being born again into a brand new family with a new heavenly father, with Jesus as our brother, with new power, power of the Holy Spirit to live changed and transformed lives. And a power, power to overcome the stuff that dragged me down, my sin and my failings. Now I have a new power within me, given by God, because I've been born again of the Spirit of God. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he says, and this birth leads us into a living hope. I mean, why does he say it's a living hope? Well, what's the opposite of a living hope? A living hope is a dead hope or a dying hope. Now, we all have hopes in this life. I, a, a while ago, you might, were, you might have been here when I actually spoke about the challenge of disappointment. Facing disappointment. What's disappointment? Disappointment is dashed hopes. Let me say this. Every hope that we have for this life only is a dead or dying hope. Do you have a bucket list? Can I urge you, empty it. All right? Don't put your hope in your bucket list. Do you have hopes for career, family, money, housing, retirement? You know, oh, when I retire, I... Blah, 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 blah. Get rid of those hopes. They are dying hopes. 
They are not the living hope. Paul says, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Earlier he had said, in, this is, that was from 1 Corinthians 15, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, he said, the form of this world is passing away. Everything we invest in in this life is doomed to decay and death. In Romans 8, Paul had said, this world is under a bondage to decay. Why invest in something that's going to rust away? That's what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Because this world is just not what it's cracked up to be. If we tell our children, you can be whatever you want to be, or you can achieve whatever goal in life that you want, you know, we're lying to them. I mean, there are, like I said earlier, there is water in this world. And water is good and refreshing. So there are good things in this life. Yesterday we had a, a lovely um, 70th family, family 70th birthday party. Um, and it was great. Meeting up with family and just enjoyed, meet, you know, chatting with people. I haven't seen for a long time. And da, 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 da. But, you know, one person there had to go home sick. Um, others couldn't come, which was disappointing. And even the person whose birthday we were celebrating, <laughs> it was actually a bad time for her. She was really, really struggling emotionally with some bad stuff that was going on in her life outside of the birthday party. So she didn't really enjoy her own 70th birthday party. See, that's this world. This stuff in this world that spoils the good stuff. But Peter says, we have been given a new birth into a living hope, not a dying hope, through the resurrection of Jesus from Jesus Christ from the dead. The greatest day in history was when a dead man, three days dead, walked out of a tomb, never to die again. Hear that? Lazarus walked out of a tomb, but he died a second time. Poor bloke. <laughs> but Jesus walked out of his tomb, never to die again. And do you know what? When you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death and you were raised with him in resurrection. What is a Christian? I mean, the word for a Christian in the New Testament is so often someone who is in Christ. You read the New Testament, you get that time and time and time and time again. In Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, each one of us, we are in Christ. Where is Christ? He is seated in heavenly places. He lives forever. And do you know what? If I'm in Christ, what does that mean about me? What does it mean about you? It means we live forever. And it's not a, a meager existence. It's a life that Christ provides. It's his life. It's a living hope. Never, ever to die. Faith. And that's what he goes on to say. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I've skipped on, but I think I've got to because I'm short on time. <laughs> so let me just go over in my notes. It can never perish. So what does it mean? The living hope that we have is not subject to death. When Adam and Eve sinned, said, in the day that you eat the fruit that you're not meant to eat, you shall surely die. And death has ruled from Adam to Christ. But death doesn't rule any longer. Not in Christ. It's an inheritance that will not perish, not subject to death. It will not spoil. What is it that spoils? Well, basically, sin is the worst spoiler of all. In the resurrection life of Christ, there is no sin to spoil. You know, in the new age to come, no locks on doors because the criminal justice system will not be needed. Wonderful. Just, we can't even imagine it, can we? We won't have to worry if we lose our purse, our, our wallet. Because we know that someone will be honest and make sure it gets back to us. <laughs> well, I did, it's interesting. Will there be economics in the new earth? I, I think there could be economics. But nevertheless, that's, a, that's another subject for another time. <laughs> it will never fade. When, when, if you buy a new garment, and you know, you, you go and you buy yourself something new, you know, a new dress or a new suit or, you know, some, at, at what point is the enjoyment of that thing at its highest? First time you wear it. After that, it fades. Literally, and also the pleasure of it fades, doesn't it? Because that's the nature of this world. But the hope that we have to come, it says, it won't ever fade. Whoa. It's described as an inheritance. See, when you were born again, you were born into a new family with a new father. You've become a child of God. And God's children have an inheritance. Maybe 
maybe you're looking forward to receiving an inheritance one day. Maybe, you know, um, mum's got a house that you know is going to come to you when she passes away. Okay? Or maybe you've made a will and you've, you've left an inheritance for your children. Uh, when does an inheritance become activated? It's at death, isn't it? Okay? And our inheritance comes to us actually through death, through the death of Christ on the cross. It actually also comes when we die. See, death is not the end. In fact, as C.S. Lewis put it, is it's just actually the end of the preface of a book. Chapter one hasn't even been written yet. <laughs> we have so much to look forward to. The pleasures of this life are occasional and fleeting. They're good when they happen. You know, I love Psalm 84, walking, uh, pilgrims walking through a dry and barren valley. And it says um, they, they're, they come across pools of water and showers of rain. And as we walk this dry and barren world that we have been called to walk through, God does give us pools of water. He blesses us with showers of rain. But the inheritance will be forever. No more dryness, no more barrenness. As Paul says it in Corinthians 2, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor the mind of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea what we've got in store. Jesus said, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And then I will come and take you to be with me forever in this place that I have prepared for you. Now, verse 5, we're just nearly there. So we, we have been born again through the into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, reserved for us there, who through faith... We continue to trust in God's word. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. Meanwhile, we trust in God's power to shield us. It's a kind of a, it's it's got a bit of a, a military sort of connotation to it. It's like literally a shield around us that God. God, we'll, so as we walk through this life, imagine you've got God's shields all around you <laughs> to protect you. He will keep us. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation 
that is to be revealed. Now, I have to make this comment because it's not shielded from adversity. I mean, some of the people reading Peter's letter, we know this from other historical records, a letter that the governor Pliny, who was the governor of Bithynia and Pontus, where people live, was writing to Emperor Trajan about, what do I do with these Christians? He says, some of them, I, I get them up front, I say, are you a Christian? And they say, yes, I am. W w will you offer a, a, a sacrifice to, to the emperor or to one of these idols? No, I wouldn't do that. Well, let me ask you again. Come on, will you offer a sacrifice? No. Are you, you a Christian? Yes, I am. Okay. I warn you, if, I, if you, if you... If you refuse one more time, you'll be executed. I'm not doing it. And I tell you, some of the readers of this letter, that is what they experienced. Um, in, in his letter, Pliny <laughs> says, oh, there, there were two, two people in this, in this Christian community. They called deaconesses. Um, they, were, they were slave girls, actually. Amazingly, isn't it? Slave girls in the church had actually become this important role and position within the church. He said, but I tortured them to find out a bit more about their community. So some of these people reading this were going to be tortured and put to death. Now, so they weren't shielded. You say, well, they weren't shielded. How was God shielding them? <laughs> Let me just read. Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his glorious presence. Okay, although we may not be shielded from the adversities of this life, we will be kept from falling. You'll last. You'll make it. You'll get there. Because he's going to shield you by his power. That well-known verse in Philippians 4, may the peace of God which transcends all understanding, sorry, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard, there again, that sort of protection picture, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, I sometimes feel I'm such a bad Christian, I don't think I can keep it up. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Because the power of God is going to shield you and guard you and keep you. Praise God. While we were away, I had the most horrible dream. And I woke up. And the first thought was, Phew, I'm glad that was a dream. Um, it was just like, ugh. One of those, I don't know if perhaps you never have those kind of dreams. I thought to myself, my goodness me, what was that about? Well, it certainly wasn't a dream from God. Maybe it was a satanic thing. Maybe, maybe the devil was trying to get at me. But then this horrible thought went through my mind. Well, maybe it's come from the very deep and dark recesses of your inner life, you know. Maybe, you know, you think you're born again and, and, and a child of God, but maybe deep, deep down, you know, very Freudian, um, you've got this dark, hidden secret that has prompted this dream. And I had to talk to myself. It was a, you know, it was a, it, I, I'm not bigging this up at all, but I did have to talk to myself. 
They know. I went back to this kind of thing. I knew I was prepared. No, I know I'm a child of God. I know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. Even if there is some deep, dark recess in my life, the blood of Jesus covers it. (laughs) I'm okay. And I know that he's going to keep me to the end. And I'm going to enjoy eternity with him forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the hope, the living hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And yet, there's such lovely, wonderful, amazing things in this life which we enjoy and we are thankful for. We are thankful for all the blessings that you give to us. But sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we feel like giving up. Sometimes it's, you wonder if it's worth it. But Lord, I want to thank you for these words of encouragement, which remind us it is worth it. It is the best life to live. It is the best way to go. We have a hope, a living hope, that far outweighs everything the world can offer. And the best is still yet to come. So praise you, Lord. And I pray that as we go through uh, 1 Peter, with all its honesty, with all its encouragement, with all its insight, with all of its revelation, with all of its practicality, because it gets down to basic things in our lives, I pray, Father, that over these next months we will be really encouraged to continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.